through a couple of verses this morning. Henry David Thoreau said this. He said, if I seem to walk out of step with others, it's because I'm listening to a different drum beat. Boy, if you're a child of God today and you're walking with God, you're out of step with most of the people in this world. Spurgeon said this, a little faith will take your soul to heaven, but a great faith will bring heaven to your soul. <laughs> That's rich. I'll tell you, the Baseball Hall of Fame is in uh, Cooperstown, New York. The uh, Football Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio. The Cowboy Hall of Fame, in, in spite of what you think, is not in Dallas. It's in Oklahoma City. And the Faith Hall of Fame is right here in Hebrews chapter 11. This book is full of examples of those who by faith followed God and came out winners on the other side. Look, if, 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 if you would stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Verse 1 of chapter 11, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you for the music today and the offering, all those things that have, have made this service what it is. But most of all, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you that you're walking around through the power of your Holy Spirit, speaking to people right now. They're not hearing me, they're hearing you. And I pray, Lord, when we come to that time of invitation, that all cares would be cast away, that all thoughts would be cast away, that we'd want to do nothing in this house today except please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, let the decisions be made that would honor you, but not only honor you, but would lift up your kingdom here on this earth. We'll praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, thank you. You may be seated. I love those. Give me all in my lap. Keep me burning, burning, burning. I tell you. That may not mean a lot to us today, but boy, about 100 years ago, if you didn't have no oil, you didn't have no light. So it was a big thing. I uh, was reminded uh, we had a little family get-together this week, and my two boys are always anxious to tell their mother things that I've done that she doesn't know anything about. <laughs> Word came up when we were on a mission trip to Belize. We were building a church in Independence, Belize, and and I'd already been a nervous wreck. Uh, I had a doctor go with me, and his wife cornered me and grabbed me by the shirt. And we were going to Independence Belize to build a church. And she said, I want you to know right now that my husband's hands are the most important thing. He was a gynecologist. She said, if he gets over there, don't you let him deal with concrete or metal. Or I said, that's all we got, concrete, metal, and rocks. That's it, you know what I'm saying? So I'd already halfway... Uh, you know stressed out so I was trying to make the trip kind of fun too and the pastor of the church there had a brother-in-law who had a uh, cousin no he had a nephew that had a cousin that had a boat and we went out on that boat it, it would seat about 14 we had 18 on it we went out to this beautiful island it was beautiful I mean, white, white sand. If you've ever been off the coast of Belize, you know how beautiful. It's an island out there, and they were catching fresh conch to come in and, and cook them and feed us, and we just had a time. It was just glorious. We stayed too late. It was beginning to get dark. And uh, the, it got dark, dark. Out on the ocean, it's dark. And so there's no 
the, the, the boat doesn't have any equipment or anything. It's just a boat with a Sears and Roebuck five horsepower motor on the back. <laughs> we got in a storm, and I don't mean a little storm. There was nobody on that boat thought that we were going to live through it. I'm serious. I mean, it was just, and I'm thinking there's, Becky's going to kill me for having Jason out here on this boat. And then I thought, what the heck? I'm going to die anyway. What difference does it make? <laughs> and the little guy said, don't worry about a thing. I know where we're going. I'm thinking, I can't see nothing. There's no land in sight. There's not a light nowhere in sight. But praise God, we got through. And then our faith was restored. You know, well, we knew all along God was going to get us through. You know, that's kind of how faith works. <laughs> but I tell you what, my faith was not real steady in that situation. I'll never forget it there. We place our faith in the hands of people all the time. I mean, we're, we're on an airplane. We're passing, you know, our... our <laughs> I can't tell that one here, but anyway, we're trusting uh, each one of those people to a pilot. Uh, you know, you, hey, you go to the doctor. He writes a prescription. You can't even read it. You don't even know what it says. You take it to the drugstore, hand it to somebody you've never seen before, somebody out of Dallas or somewhere, and uh, they, they bring out some colored pills, and you don't know what those colors mean and everything. And then he puts it in a little bottle and he takes it home. And you've been to a doctor that you can't read his handwriting. And you've been to a medical center that you don't even know you're familiar, not familiar with. With a pharmacist you've never seen before that tells you to take these three pills three times a day. That's called faith. That's called faith. You don't know what's in them pills. <laughs> I mean, that's living by faith. Everybody has some kind of faith. The materialist has faith in their money. The philosopher has faith in his ideas. The religious Christian has faith in religion. Years ago, there was a large vessel that was leaving Liverpool, England, and was headed for New York City. And the captain and his wife and daughter was there on the ship, too. They had their own uh, cabin there. And in the middle of one of the nights, a storm came up. And, uh, man, I mean, it began to toss the ship, and everything was thrown from one side to the other side. Have you ever been on one of those where you, you can't even eat dinner at the table because the plate won't stay on the table? That's what was happening there. And the little eight-year-old girl woke up, and she said, What's going on? She began to just scream and began to fear and was all excited. And, and they said, Well, honey, we're, we're in a storm right now. We're in a storm. Just calm down. We're in a storm. And she said, Is father on the deck? And they said, yes, Father's on deck. Everybody on the boat's on the deck trying to get us through this storm. She crawled right on in bed and went back to sleep. You see, could I tell you this morning, I don't care what storm you're going through. As long as Father's on the deck, you're going to come out all right. Huh? That's the way we ought to be living life as a child of God. Our Father, listen, have you ever thought you can't say no to Lord if he's your Lord, there's only one answer you've got. And that's yes, Lord. If you say no, he's not your Lord anymore. He is your Lord. It ought to be the attitude of every Christian that we face through the rough times of life. And there are going to be rough times of life. But every Christian that we face through those rough times, we're reminded that we're to live by faith. Mark 11:22. we're reminded that faith is to be a daily lifestyle of the believer. 
in Romans 14, 23, that anything that's not a product of faith is of sin. That's what the Bible says. Look at it, Romans 14, 23. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, right here, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You cannot please God unless you're walking by faith. Thankfully, the Bible doesn't leave us clueless here. It gives us some uh, ideas. I want to just briefly talk about the myths of faith. There are a couple of three myths that uh, you may have fallen for. Don't fall for things like this. First of all, people will tell you faith is a blind leap. You're going to walk by faith. That's a blind leap. <laughs> there are those that feel like that. If you're walking by faith this morning, you're a fool. But faith is much more than just walking around wanting to leap off into something. You see, faith is your response to the promises of God. That's what faith is. God says, I'll lead you. Your answer is, then I'll follow. God says, I'll feed you. Your answer is, I'll eat. God says, I'll meet your need. Faith says, then it's done. It's done. Faith is never a leap into the dark. It's based on the foundations of the Word of God. He's not asked us to blindly leap somewhere. He's told us His promises in His book. It's here. And then some people say, well, faith is a blank check. It's a blank check. You name it and claim it or stab it and grab it. Or, you know, any of those philosophies. People have this idea that anything I want, I just call on the Lord. Well, let me tell you, he's not some cosmic cowboy that you just, hey, uh, God, uh, this is what I want today. Now, you be sure you get this done. And then when it's not done, people get disappointed. That's not what faith is. There are many that have become discouraged in their faith and disappointed because God didn't do like he was told to do. You can't tell the Lord what to do. He's not a genie that comes out of a bottle. And then there's a, a myth that faith is a bad choice. Let me tell you, it may be like a bad choice to those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but to those of us who've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's nothing greater than walking by faith, than trusting in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is an unseen force with which man cannot interact or have fellowship unless he has come to be one of his own children. But the Christian. As believers, we can either choose to please the Lord or we can choose to please ourselves. That's a few of the things that faith is not. Now, let, let me give you a few things on the realities surrounding faith. The Bible says, first of all, that faith is defined and described here in verse 11. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, notice that faith makes things that are hoped for, things that are hoped for, as real as things that are. And then it provides the unshakable evidence that those things that are belong to us. They belong to us. As a result, why do they belong to us? Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Not because of what you've done, not any works you've done, not anything you've had. It's because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you get to inherit the promises of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Thankfully, 
the author of Hebrews didn't leave us in the dark concerning the sureness and the certainty that we were to be based upon here. He speaks of their faith, for example, in verse 3. We're all, all these are in chapter 11. We'll cover them sooner or later, sometime, uh, just as God leads. But if you look at chapter 11, verse 3, he's talking about the creation account. Uh, through faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Listen, did you know that God didn't even sweat when he made this world? He spoke it. Spoken into existence. Huh? I love what, uh, uh, if you miss Monday night, I just tell you, you missed a blessing. You need to go back and hear that one. And this, month, this next Monday night is going to even be better. It's going to be good. I can't say it's going to be better because Frank's listening to me. Uh, <laughs> Frank did a marvelous job. But it's like it takes more faith to not believe God than it does to believe God. I mean, it's, it's like you're saying, well, I want to I build a four-bedroom house. I want to build a real nice house. Well, uh, we spent the weekend in a house this week that was built by one of our members, and, boy, everything was just beautiful, and everything was just in place and everything. And he engineered it. He, he had an architect do it. They, they signed everything up. And his name is stamped on the seal and everything. It's a beautiful place. But it would be like them wanting to build a house, and you call and you have all the material delivered out there. You, you got your brick. You got your concrete. You got your electrical wire. You got your panel box. You got your sheetrock. You got your paint. You got... I mean, everything, all the wood, the two-by-fours, the studs, the, everything's there. Windows, doors, and you put a stick of dynamite on it. Boom! Out comes a beautiful four-bedroom home. You say, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. It's that way when you, these atheists say, hey, this world just bang theory. Uh, that's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Man, this world didn't happen by bang. This word was spoke into existence. And our God is the creator. He's the one that spoke it into existence. Verse 4 talks about Abel. He said, being faith, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You see, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. God told him that. But see, Cain had a better way. Hello? Am I talking to somebody this morning? You know what God says do. But you, you, you got your own way you're going to do it. You're going to end up like Cain. You're going to end up, I mean, I mean, old Cain had some rutabagas as big as a watermelon. I mean, he'd been raising them up with turnip greens and all that stuff. And he said, Lord, this is what I, I, that's not what I want. Some of you have been coming saying, I'm a Baptist. My daddy and mama was a Baptist. They raised me. In a, God says, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. You got to be covered under somebody's blood. And the blood to be covered under is the Lord Jesus Christ on the way of the cross. If you look at verse 5 and 6, Enoch, old Enoch there, he is the first one to get a plane ride right off this earth, called up to heaven. Man, don't you know that was exciting. He was translated, the Bible said, that he should not see death and was not found. Mm. Him and Jimmy Hoffa, I guess. Has anybody found Hoffa yet? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's not bad. You won't find Enoch nowhere. He, he went up. He went up. And, and then if you look down in verse 7, Noah built the ark. 
and he survived the flood because his faith floated on the promise of the Lord. 120 years he built that ark. You think everybody was having a fellowship down at the church that night saying, oh, Noah's doing a great job. No, they were laughing and mocking and, and talking down to him until it started to rain. Mm. It's amazing how attitudes can change suddenly. Maybe you're counting on that. Maybe you're counting on that. Maybe you're counting on the rain starting to fall, and then you're going to get right with God. See, they didn't know what rain was. And when they got ready to get right with God, the door was already shut. And I want to remind you this morning, and I, I, I love each one of you, I hope there's a woodland hills in heaven. I, I, we'll worship with other people. We'll get along with them. <laughs> but I, I want the family to be together. And we're all family. Maybe I, I don't want any of y'all to be left out. I just remind you that when it's done, there's no do-overs. You don't get to back up. You don't get to try it again. Then you look down at verse 8 and all the way on down through verse 19 you'll find about a man named Abraham left his home and country God had promised him a child he didn't think God could deliver so he tried to do it himself and got in trouble God delivered him a child then God said take that child and offer him as a sacrifice at any given time that child could have whipped his daddy and as they're going up the mountain he said dad we, we got the wood here and the altar and we're ready for all this, but where's the sacrifice? You remember what Abraham said? God, he'll provide. And the whole time that they were walking up this side of the mountain, God had a special little old lamb, a ram, walking up this side of the mountain. And when they got to the top and needed a sacrifice, and Abraham had his hand up, ready to literally offer his son as a sacrifice. God said, don't do it. There's your sacrifice over there in the bushes. What a mighty God we serve. Mm, 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 mm. You look at verse 20 and 22 through 22, there's Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. The Bible says they all died in faith, looking to the fulfillment of the promises of the Lord. Verse 23 through 29, Moses forsook Egypt. He led Israel. He did the will of God. All of that was in response to the will of God, to the walking by faith, to the promises of God. Verse 30, my soul, I'd have loved to have been there. When they told the people, I started to say the women, but they told the people, don't say a word. Nobody can talk. Here's our plan. We're going to walk around Jericho. Next day, we're going to walk around it again. Nobody can talk. Somebody would have said, this is the most stupid thing the preachers ever had us do. This is ridiculous. And the seventh time around on the seventh day, the Bible said the walls fell down. People screaming, crying. Every one of them died except the next verse in verse 31. There was a prostitute there, and she helped the men of God. And they said, as long as this red is out your window here, you'll be all right. 
and the walls are falling around all around and people are dying all around and she's got her family there and they said mama everything's been destroyed don't worry about it by faith God is going to see us through and in the midst of all that God saved Rahab my and then verses 32 through 40 we'll talk about thousands down through the ages have responded to the promises of faith and they've seen God do great wonders now with all of this what is faith well let me just sum it up for you this faith is the assurance that God will do exactly what he promised to do that's what faith is faith is the assurance that God will do exactly what he says he's going to do anything based on guesswork anything based on wishful thinking anything based on peace of heart ends up in failure God doesn't honor guesswork he don't honor uh, peaceful thinking he don't honor wishful thinking he honors faith and anything less than faith is going to end up in tragedy you can get on top of this building and you can say I'm going to jump off this building. I'm not going to hit the ground. I had a dream. God gave, told me I could fly. I'm telling you, I'm going to fly. Now, before you do get up there, if you'd let us know what to do with the body, because you ain't going to fly. <laughs> You're going to die. You ain't going to fly. You're going to die. We need to know what to do with your body. Yeah, but, 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 no, you had too many turnip grains last night before you went to bed. That's what happened to you. People become disappointed when God doesn't do what they tell God to do. God says, I'm not that kind of God. I, I've got everything planned out. I've got it all worked out. And they become disappointed. Many have prayed for things they wanted or thought they needed and their requests were denied. And sometimes even the things we prayed for were legitimate. We prayed somebody to get healed. I never will forget our, uh, when we first went to my, the first church that I pastored uh, after being music youth director there were 17 of us there and, you know if you're a, a part time church and you need a music director preachers are a dime a dozen they're everywhere but trying to find somebody who can sing on tune is hard and if you're a small church you've got two resources one of them is going to be a young green kid right out of college and he's going to drive you crazy you, you try to mentor him, but he's going to drive you crazy. The other one is going to be an old man that is retired from music that came here that's still singing the same songs he's been singing 30 years. So I went for a third option, and I got a lady. Oh, you had a lady lead music. I sure did. She could out sing. Wonderful. We loved them so much. They were like a second parent to us. And she got cancer. I'd sit by her bed. She was really involved in women's Bible studies and all of these things everybody knew were all over the whole city and I'd sit there and people would come in and out all day lay hands on her anoint her with oil I've had a dream God's not gonna let you die you're too much you're too useful for God you're gonna live you're gonna rise up and I heard that and I heard that and I heard that one day Arlene looked over at me and she said brother Charles I'm not gonna make it oh I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it to my next home she, I said, no, you don't know that. God's a God of miracles. She said, God's a God of miracles if he gives you the word to stand on it. But I have not been given the word. I'm going to die. 
and it's going to be for his glory. I'm thrilled with it. But I don't care how many people come in here and tell me, you're not going to die, you're not going to die, I'm going to die. And she died. She died. And I want to tell you, I'll be honest with you, I went through a little time when I said, Lord, have mercy. Here we are trying to honor you and build a church and do all this, and, and you know, you take the best one we've got. We can pray about anything we want to. And then we can hope it comes true. But we can only have faith in those things that God has promised us in his word. Now, I don't want to get into a long, detailed thing. <laughs> but the book of Proverbs is, is not promises. We want to quote that promise that as long as we train our kids up, in the way they should go when they're old, they're not departed from it. That's a promise of God. That's not a promise of God. That is a hopeful thing of God when you've done your children and you've raised them that way. But I'm going to be honest with you. Most of us, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm going to just tell you right now, in our generation that we're living in today with all the world mixed in and all the church things mixed in, you and I know that the last thing on the totem pole is the house of the Lord. We got our get our kids to everything else. We got to get them involved in everything else. Even to the time that it comes when, when being gone on the Lord's day, we got to get them involved. We got to do this. That's not raising your kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Well, when I pray that a person be healed, I hope that it will happen. And I know God has the power to heal. I know that. The thing is, is if it's the will of God to be healed. If it's the will of God. You say, oh no, I, I, I don't have to go with the will of God. I can go with what I want. I'm demanding that they be healed. No, you're not. He's Lord. He's Lord. You're not telling him what you're going to do and not going to do. Pray for the safety of my children. I hope they be safe. You know the devil, he's a wicked, deceitful, sorry. I wish there were other words I could use. I was getting ready last night to go to bed, and the devil says, uh, kids hadn't called. I bet something's happened to them. On the road to Dallas on a Saturday night, man, you know, and you begin to think. Now, the devil's stupid, too, in a lot of ways. Because first thing I did, I thought, well, the first thing I'm going to do is pray nothing happened. I mean, I'm going to pray even more right now, devil. But he's just like that. That don't come from God. That's the devil. Now, I want to tell you, you can pray for your children to be safe. And you can pray God build a hedge of protection around them. But the bottom line is, if they get out there and they get out from under the hedge of protection... There are no do not hurt cards in the kingdom of heaven. You can pray your neighbor be saved. You can by faith claim that. That's a promise of God. It's not his will. Any should perish, but all come to life. And you can pray by faith that your neighbor be saved, but your neighbor still got a responsibility to say yes to Jesus. The function of faith. What, what, what is the function of it? How do we operate with it what is it going to do for us because after you're saved there there are several functions that faith does that is re remarkable 
faith will calm our fears it calms our fears I'm not sheltered from bad things but in the midst of them I've got the faith that God never leaves me nor forsakes me he's with me he's with me faith calms our fears faith cushions our falls cushions our falls <laughs> I, I, I'm not immune from sin and temptations you're not immune from temp sin and temptations you still fall well what happens well if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness isn't it wonderful to know that he'll pick us up I was out here a couple of weeks ago and already banged up my knee and everything on one fall I was trying to get in the building out here that the academy had fell out of the door and ended up falling on that red hot uh, rock skimmed me up I couldn't get up I tried to get up and then fell down again rolled about halfway under the building I said Lord this is Elijah I'm just gonna lay here and die I hope somebody has a big shovel when they come According to John 10, 28, he picks us up. I would have loved, and I even prayed for it, but God didn't send it. I said, Lord, would you send somebody by here? Now, we're at the back part of the property where no road is, but you can get around there. I said, Lord, I need somebody to come help me up. He never did come. I don't know where Jason was. <laughs> I, or Brother Aaron, Brother Kat, I don't know where all of them were. <laughs> but I'll tell you, listen to me. You'll never fall what Jesus is not there to pick you up. He's there. My wife, well, why did you fall? If I knew why I fell, I wouldn't have fell. Huh? Has anybody else gone through that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not just here to fall. Thank God he picks us up. Amen? Faith confirms our future. It confirms our future. I, I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow, but I'll tell you what I do know. <laughs> when all my tomorrows are finished, I do know where I'm going. And I do know I've got a home prepared. According to John 14, he's going to prepare a place for me, and he's going to come get me. I do know that. I don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but I know what's going to happen then. Praise the Lord. And then faith claims God's finest. Faith doesn't gorge itself on the slop of this world. It sets its higher. Goal is higher. Faith believes that God will be true to his word. And then faith challenges our failures. Uh, faith accepts the notion that we don't have to settle for second best. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has something special for you. If you're a young person here and you just graduated from high school, listen, God's got something special. He's got something special. Don't, don't throw it away. By faith, trust him. And then faith calls our friends. You know the real truth? I, I, I need to preach my way out of a job. Faith don't need any more preachers. My soul, there are a dime a dozen. You know what faith needs? What this world needs? This world needs men and women who will show this world that they live by faith. And when trials come, they don't crater and give in and throw up and quit. They say, God's got another way. 
let's go another way. Let's do it another way. This world needs to see everyday human beings living by faith. I read about a lady, a very religious lady. I thought about Tammy Whitehurst when I heard about this lady. She was a traveling lady, and she got a lot of airline miles and uh, uh, made her nervous to fly. And so uh, every time she'd go on a trip, she would take her Bible with her. And uh, when they'd get ready to start going down the runway, she would open her Bible and begin to read her Bible. This guy sitting next to her, when she took out her Bible, he kind of had a smirk. You know what I'm talking about, smart aleck, grin. And she began to read her Bible, and he said, you believe that book? She said, well, yes, I believe this book. This book is the Word of God. It's true. You can count on this book. <laughs> he said, lady, what about that, that big fish? She said, you know about Jonah and the whale and the big fish? Yeah. How did he live inside that big fish for three days? She said, well, honestly, sir, I, I, I really don't know. She said, I suppose when I get to heaven, I'll ask him that. And he said, well, what if he's not in heaven? She said, then you can ask him. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. The greatest thing ever happened in my life, as an eight-year-old boy, I came to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Nothing has been able to touch it. Nothing. I didn't know everything there. I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I knew that. And as time went on, I began to understand that all the good deeds wasn't going to get you to heaven. I was in an RA group. Our RA director would pick us up uh, on Saturday morning, and we would go around with him and mow different people's yards and everything that needed their yard mowing. I, I, I figured out that no matter how many good works I did, that was not going to help me get into heaven. I figured out that no matter how much money I gave, you know, how many promises, I remember just like yesterday saying, Lord, if you give me a bicycle, I'll pump somebody to church every Sunday. <laughs> man, man. I began to understand that baptism was important. It was an outward expression of what God has done on the inside of our hearts, but Baptism is not going to get you to heaven. I began to understand that being a Baptist wasn't going to get you to heaven. It was only through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was only because he died on a cross for my sin and your sin and the sin of this whole world. And he's asking us today. It's the same blood that's fresh today that was given 2,000 years ago. And it still covers sin. It still covers sin. So my question to all of us this morning, <laughs> who are you going to please in life? I mean, come on, guys. Some of us in here is old enough where we really ought to be thinking about this. Who are you going to please in life? Is the way you spend your money, is that pleasing to God? Hmm? 
I mean, even in a great church like this, could I tell you that less than 10% of you are floating everything that happens in this church? Now, that's what they're told, I'm told on the, what do you call them, graphs. I couldn't believe it. I thought we all were giving. And yet, we, we need $136,000 a month to, make, to just break even. And God's blessed us. We've done it. But it's happening with 10% of this church. Is God pleased this morning how you're spending your money? Hey, let me ask you something this morning. Is God pleased with how you're reading his word this week? If he were to walk in here today and say, I'm pleased with you because you've been in my word all week. Is God pleased with how you're praying? How you're spending your time with a relationship with a holy God who desires that we have fellowship with him? Is God pleased with you in the way that you're dealing with your work associates? Is he pleased with you the way you're dealing with your neighbors? I can go on now. This is a search time that we need to stop and say, Lord, am I pleased? Are you pleased with what I'm doing in this life? And if you're not, we ought to be the first to say, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. I'm asking you today, if you've never been saved, the only way to please God this morning is for you to surrender yourself to Jesus. And you can do it today. If you need a church home and God said, this is what I want you to do, the only way you can please God is to do what God says do. If you need to be teaching a Sunday school class, we're coming up with teacher training here shortly. And God says, you know, you're smart enough to do that. You're smart enough. Yeah, but God, it would take so much effort and it would take so much time. And Lord, I just don't know. Is he pleased with you? Father, we're grateful that you give us another opportunity this morning to act upon and be obedient to what you've asked us to do. And there may be some in this place you're not asking them to do anything. They're living for you. They're serving you. They're praying. They're faithfully attending. God, you may not be asking anything. But I would presume, Lord, that in a crowd this large, there's some of us in this place that are not really pleasing you today. So, Lord, I'm asking you, let your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us. Let your will be done in everything that we've got facing us. Lord, I pray. I pray today for this precious church. It's already been mentioned, the miracles you've done, how great it is to be in your house. I pray today for our precious children next door. As school begins, oh God, build a hedge of protection around them. Don't only keep them from the harm of what physically may happen to them, but God, I pray you would keep our children and our young people away from the harms of drugs and alcohol and witchcraft and all of the things that we see being magnified in this world today. Our grandchildren, oh God, may we be on our face before you
to say, Lord, whatever it takes to get me right with you. I want to be right with you. So my prayers are answered. Would you have your way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you